Glory to God. Good to have you here this morning. Good to see more of our worship team up here. We've been missing a, a lot of them here in these past weeks, and we sure miss them when they're not here. But we're glad for the worship here this morning. We're going to be over in the book of, of John. You see in your outline there. But there was a, there was a married couple. They were fighting over the purchase of a new car. You see, the wife wanted a sports car, and the husband wanted a new truck. And so they were going back and forth on this, and uh, got rather heated at times. And neither one was giving in, and neither one was backing down. Finally, the wife said to the husband, she says, look, my birthday is coming up. And if you do not surprise me with something that goes from zero to 180, you're not going to like it. So the birthday came. Wife got up, looked out in the garage, and there was no new car. She was mad. She was upset. She came back in, and she found a package that her husband had left for her. And she opened the package, and what she found was a note on the top. And it said, this goes from zero to 180, and it was a scale. And as one of the comedians said, and that's when the fight started. <laughs> yeah, that didn't, uh, that didn't go over so well. But sometimes we ask some questions to get us into trouble. Haven't you ever done that? Asked a question and got you into some trouble? Well, we're going to take a look at some of that here today. But just to review, bad questions we saw are filled with dissatisfaction, unthankfulness, impatience, doubt, self-righteousness, and have a tone of complaining. Good questions have these qualities. They have faith, patience, contentment, and thanksgiving. It is content of our questions, the content, the words, not our position that gets our questions answered. God will answer your questions not because you are a son or a daughter of his. He'll answer your questions because you're questioning God's attention. And we had spent some weeks looking at the Word of God and how some questions got the attention of God and some questions did not. Well, last week we looked at the bad platforms for questions. We saw, said there were three. We went over two, fear and worry, anxiety. I would take up one of them. People ask questions out of fear. Worry and anxiety are just different forms of fear. Another one was supposition. We've supposed certain things to be so or certain things to be, be true. Here today, we're going to take a look at the third platform that people ask questions from, and that is selfishness. In James chapter 4, verse 1, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So people are asking things of God and not receiving because they ask amiss, it says, because we ask this, we, we're looking to spend it on our own pleasures. We're asking selfishly. And you know this from your own children. When your children get selfish and ask questions, you don't want to answer them. You don't want to give them the thing that they're asking for. Because the, the selfishness that is in them. Turn over to John chapter 6, verse 15. John chapter 6, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Now, if you're wondering why they just left Jesus there, if you went over to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. So they didn't get in there willingly. He made them. They said, No, we'll wait for you. No, no, you get in the boat and you go. We'll, we'll wait for you. No, I said he made them. He didn't just ask them. He made them get in the boat and to go. And so they did. Then the sea arose, became a great wind, was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles. They saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat. They were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at, at the land where they were going. Well, you see, when they first saw Jesus walking on the water, they were afraid. 
But they know Jesus. But they were afraid. Even though they know Jesus. They like Jesus. Comfortable with Jesus. What we don't know makes us afraid. Even when it's something that we do know. But they didn't know that it was Jesus. And they say, you know, what is this walking on the water? What is this image that I see walking on the, on the water? Because uh, we didn't know. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was little, I used to love haunted houses. Anybody ever go to one? I went to haunted houses. I, I, I liked them. I thought they were cool. I liked getting scared. That was kind of fun. And uh, then, you know, I got turned on to the things in the Word and found out about what Satan kingdom was about and all these things. And, and I wasn't afraid of haunted houses anymore. It's like, it's not real. It's not real. Going to a real haunted house. You know, I picture myself, I'll, I'll go into a real haunted house. And uh, it's not real. Devil comes out, just laugh at him. It's like, man, there's no fun when you know it's not real. You know, we're more, we expect Marty to come on back uh, this, this weekend. You remember, uh, people have been reminding me of his statement. Remember what he said to us? He said, they can't eat you. Yeah, the devil can't eat you. He'd like to. He can't. Don't be afraid of him. But they were afraid. They saw this thing. They didn't know what it was. It didn't, it didn't mesh with what they knew. You know, people don't walk on water. It doesn't happen. What, what is this? It must be a ghost. One passage actually said it. It proceeded with a ghost. A ghost. It's coming right by us on this. We have a storm. We've got a ghost. This is not a good night. But Jesus said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. So once they knew it was Jesus... Now they're not afraid anymore. Well, we're not sure what's going on, but it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's not going to hurt us. We don't have to be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. See, once we know something to be, be uh, good, we accept it. It's just not knowing that it's, that it's any good. We're not quite sure. But once we know it's good, yeah, we take it in, right in. They did. They received him in the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Now this isn't in the Bible. But if I was one of the disciples, this is what I would be saying. Now, Jesus, let me get this straight. You stayed over there by yourself and made us get in the boat. Forced us to row, encounter this wind and the waves, fight against the wind and the waves to get to the other side. And then you come prancing along the water. And when you get in the boat, we're already there. Why couldn't we just get there from the other side? Why do we have to go through all that stuff? You ever ask God that? Why did I have to go all, all this hardship when I could have just gone from here to there just like that? Yeah, we, like, we think that sometimes, going through hardship. But do notice this. Jesus made them get into the boat and then came to them. And then when he got in there, then they're, they're already there. They're already where they wanted to go. Just, just like that. Whole boat, all the people, everything on the other side. That's pretty cool. You ever ask Jesus, why did we have to go through that first half? Struggling and fighting. Why do we have to do that? Well, there's some things that we can learn when we struggle and we fight. As long as we struggle and we fight in faith, not in fear, not with worry and anxiety. You're not going to learn anything that way. You're going to learn how to do it wrong. But don't be afraid to get out in the boat and row. Even if Jesus can get you there instantly. All right, get out there in the boat and row. If Jesus pops you on over the other side, you got halfway done. Lord, our God, we only had to go halfway. That's how we should be going. See, content people will do that. Uncontent people will look at it. Well, how come, how come we had a row at all? That's not the gist of the story here. Let's go on verse 22. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, the other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they ate bread, after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, how many of you have ever wanted to ask a question, but knew you'd get in trouble for asking it? I mean, you know, right away. If I ask, I like to know the answer to this question. If I ask it, I know I'm going to get in trouble. Well, this is what these folks are going through. They have a question they want to ask Jesus, but they are afraid to ask it. 
So they ask a different question that will hopefully bring them the same answer. So they come up to him, Rabbi, when did you, when did you come here? Now notice what the scripture says about them. They observed the disciples getting into the boat. They observed that Jesus did not get in the boat. They observed that no other boats were available. Would you say that they are obsessing over Jesus? How would you know all that? How would you know all this about Jesus? That there was no, there was no other boats available. That the disciples got into the boat they had, but Jesus didn't. How would you know all that unless you are watching Jesus? And they knew no other boats came to get Jesus. How do you know that? Because they're watching. Why are they watching Jesus like this? Because this is what the question that they would have liked to have asked, but didn't. They said, Rabbi, when did you come here? That's not the question they wanted to ask. What they wanted to ask was, Rabbi, how did you get away from us? That's what they wanted to ask. But they knew they'd be afraid to ask that one. <laughs> they're watching him, making sure. Make sure he doesn't go anywhere. We want him to have him stick around. This is, uh, this is all right. Yeah, we, we don't know how you got here. We kind of knew that you couldn't get here any other way. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Ah, so the reason that they don't want Jesus to get out of the way is because, hey, he fed us. He did a miracle and fed us. It was great. The bread multiplied. The fish multiplied. We can keep on doing this. Let's do it again tomorrow. We'll sit here and we'll listen to the word. We'll see the signs and wonders that he does. And we'll eat bread and fish. And then we'll follow him to the next place. And we'll see the signs. We'll see the wonders. We'll hear the word taught. And we'll eat bread and fish. Now the first time Jesus did this, he had compassion on them. That's why he fed them. Because they were hungry for the word and stayed for the word even though they should have gone home and got something to eat. But they stayed because they were really hungry for the word. But now they're hungry for something else. Bread and fish. In fact, it's free bread and fish. That's good. He says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has sent His seal on Him. So don't labor for the stuff that, that uh, will go away. I mean, the food that you eat, it's here today, it's gone. Now, how many of you enjoyed the food you ate yesterday? We were glad you ate yesterday. We were glad you ate the day before that. Yeah, we're, I may not even remember what it was, but I know I, I enjoyed it. I was hungry, ate the food. It was good. We're glad that we have food to eat. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? That sounds like a really good question, doesn't it? What shall we do that we can work the works of God? We want to do the works of God. We don't just want to do flesh things. We want to do the works of God. What can we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He sent. Now understand this. Believing that Jesus is the Christ is a work of God. How many of you face opposition for that? Well, is Jesus really the only way? I mean, there's a lot of other ways out there. How do you know that Jesus is the only way? You shouldn't be so close-minded. You should be more open-minded about these things. I mean, the Hindus, the Muslims, the Mormons, I mean, they all believe they're going to heaven. They all believe in the afterlife. They all believe in, in, in different things. Of course, Hindus believe in more of a reincarnation and you just keep on coming back as uh, either a lower life or a higher life. Boy, that's not pleasant, is it? How do you get people to follow after a religion like that, that you can come back as a frog? Yes, sir. Come on over here. Come worship this. Well, you can come back as a dog. Even worse, a cat. <laughs> There's no guarantee you can come back as a person. You might come back as something else. Yes, yeah, sign me up for that one. Okay. But it's hard to, to, to stay in this world and to believe that what Jesus said was true. What he said about heaven, what he said about hell, 
what he said about judgment, what he said about the end times, what he said about the second coming. It's hard to stand up to this world and believe it. That is a work of God. Do you know that every day that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that his word is true, every day that you hang on and believe that, that is a work of God, that you are doing the works of God by doing such? See, a lot of times we don't think about that and we think, well, I went this whole week and didn't do anything in the work of God. But here's, Jesus has a wide open question. We want to work the works of God. He says, fine. Believe that the one that God sent, uh, he says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. Well, then first of all, you have to believe that God sent Jesus, that Jesus is the sent one, and you got to believe in him. So they go on. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Now we just got done feeding the whole mess of people with a few loaves and fish. Whole mess of people got fed. They knew it. That's why they wanted to follow Jesus. They saw the signs and wonders and the, the miracles in the meetings. They heard the word that was taught. And they have the audacity to come back and to say, what, what sign will you perform? You can kind of see why Jesus answered them the way that he did before. What sign will you work? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Most surely I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. How do you like that? Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. Well, isn't that what it was called? The bread from heaven? But he said, no, he didn't. He didn't give you the bread from heaven. Well, what did he give them? What did Moses give them if he didn't give them the bread from heaven? He says, for the bread of, of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Well, he said before that, my, my father gives you the true bread of heaven. The true bread of heaven is one who comes from heaven. Manna did not come from heaven. They called it bread from heaven, but it didn't come from heaven. It, it was on the earth. God formed it in the skies, then it came down, but it was not bread from heaven. But they called it bread from heaven. Just because they're calling it bread from heaven does not make it bread from heaven. Just because people in this world call something truth doesn't mean that it's truth. Just because people in this world call something good doesn't mean that it's good. He says, no. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Now, Lord, sound like just like the woman from the well. He's talking about water. That you'll never be thirsty. He now is talking about bread. That you won't be hungry anymore. They said, this is great. If you give us this bread and we aren't hungry anymore, we don't have to follow you. We can go stay at home. We don't have to work for any more bread. We're good. Well, he goes on. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, isn't that our two main needs in our body? Hunger and thirst. If you're real, real thirsty, you're looking for some water. If you're real hungry, you're looking for some food. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that, all, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, and everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So he's coming to do the will of the Father. He says, you need to believe that I came from the Father. You need to believe that the Father sent me and that I'm here to do his will. He said, if you can believe that, that's the work of God. He said, well, you've got to show us a sign first. What sign will you show us? Moses had bread come from heaven. So Jesus is saying, no, we're not looking for bread from heaven. That's, that's just... A regular bread, and he's going, to, he's going to get real nasty with them in this in just a little bit. Real nasty with them. 
on this, but uh, just not, not just yet. He hasn't quite got there. He's, he's saying, look, I am the bread that came from heaven. I came from heaven. I am the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, that's a pretty bold statement right there. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just somebody who works miracles. I came from the Father. I am the bread of life. Well, let's pick up verse 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Now, you can see why they would complain about this. They're not believing that he's from God. They're not willing to do the only work that Jesus cited to them was that believe that uh, the Father sent. They're not willing to do it. I am the bread which came down from it. That wasn't too much to ask, was it? They all said, lined up. We're ready to do the works of God. All right, do this work. We're not ready for that. One thing he asked them. How many times has God asked us to do things and we are not willing to do it? doesn't ask us a whole lot of things. He asks us one thing. And then we come up, well, I'm not ready to do that. The rich young ruler, go sell all you have, give it to the poor. Come follow me. What's he do? He did all those other things. But this one was hard for him. We haven't talked about this in a long time. But Brother Hagin, remember, he, uh, he taught us some things in the area of uh, praise and worship. And if you ever miss this, if you pick up his book, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits, it's, uh, it's in there. And, or if you go up to his, um, they have, there's a, is a podcast that they do, and they put up certain teachings that he had. If you go and find that podcast, uh, just search on Rama or the Kenneth Hagin Ministry or something like that, you can go and you can find that podcast, and they, they re-air a lot of these uh, teachings, along with some other uh, current ones that they're doing at the church, but they also go back and they get some of the Brother Hagin's old things. You can go back there and you can get plans, purposes, and pursuits and hear him teach it directly there. But one of the things that he came out and told about this, he even said in the, I heard him teach this uh, not too long ago, uh, that, uh, it was a hard thing for him to do. He didn't want to do it. He told God, get somebody else to do this. But God told him ahead of time what was going to happen in this particular camp meeting. It wasn't down at Winter Bible Seminary, it was down at camp meeting that this happened. And he had the, the, uh, the inside scoop, so to speak. And God showed him the things that were going to happen at this meeting. He says, all we need to tell people about it. He says, don't tell anybody about it. It's only for the people who show up. So the people who showed up, they really got themselves quite a, quite a deal. It was quite a, quite a meeting. But one of the things he brought out in that meeting was uh, something that the Lord had showed him. And that was in the area of praise and worship. And that was the area of, uh, remember, we, we uh, heard him teach it when we were down there. And when we came back, we taught it to you. I did some of my own, own research on it. And I said, sure enough, that's the way that it is. And uh, he taught us, he said, this is what the Lord told him. He says, most of that clapping that you're doing in church has no place. So he asked them to expand on that. He says, uh, he said, I never said in my word to ever give me a clap offering. And he was real, real, real stern about it. Never said give me a clap offering. He said, what happens is that most people are given a clap offering because they're not giving me what I asked for. And if you go through the word of God, you'll find out that what God asked for is to sing with a loud voice, to shout. You want to give God praise? Shout. Sing loudly. But clap? No. It's not in there. Now, he did clarify this. He said, I'm not talking about clapping to the beat of a song in a praise and worship song. I'm not talking about that at all. He said, we're talking, you've been in meetings like that. And I tell you, ever since we taught you, you folks have hung on to it so well. I'll tell you what, we've had Raymond people come on through here. And uh, they say, wow, your, your folks know what to do with that. They know how to, how to go out and, and praise. Every so often we get some visitors to come on in and they're not quite under sure and they start clapping at certain spots that people are clapping at and then they eventually stop because no one's really joining them and <laughs> they pick up but uh, just in case some of you folks weren't here when we did that that's the reason that we don't we don't give god applause god says you applaud somebody like oh very good job very good oh that was good good god good god way to go that's not what we're here to do we're here to offer him praise and worship if you want to offer god praise and worship give a shout well i don't want to give a shout that's why you're not doing it but you go into the word of god what does it say Give a shout. And if you go back into Adam and Eve, the story with Adam and Eve, you remember why it was that Cain rose up and killed his brother? Because his sacrifice was not accepted and his brother's was. And the Lord even said to him, if you do well, yours will be accepted. But he didn't want to do well. He wanted to give God what he wanted to give him. God asked for the sacrifice of blood 
Cain wasn't a one who raised animals. So he said, I'll give him my, uh, my fruit and my vegetables. And God agrees with me on this. He didn't want fruits and vegetables. He wanted meat. That's what he wanted for a sacrifice. He says, no, bring me the meat. And he wanted the, the blood sacrifice because it was the blood was what was needed. But Cain wanted to do what he wanted to do. Don't do what you want to do. Do what God said. Do what God asked. Well, I feel uncomfortable shouting. It's all right. You'll get over it. But it's better off to do what God said to do than to do something different than replace it. Very often we're going after replacements. Remember Rehoboam. Solomon had made 300 gold shields. And because of their rebellion to God, the enemy had come in on Rehoboam and taken all those gold shields. And so he went out and he made brass ones. And they came out and they had 300 brass shields uh, replacement. It looked like it was, it was good. You remember when the fire for the sacrifice was replaced? And they brought strange fire before the Lord. How, would, how did God like that replacement? People died. <laughs> Don't replace them. You're not going to die if you clap in church. Right? That's, not, <laughs> that's not the same thing. But if you wonder why people don't in, in the Zoe Christian Fellowship don't do that, that's uh, one of the reasons. Because when Brother Hagen taught that to us, we took it to heart. He said that's a, that was important. And if you ever hear him teach it, because he got it directly from God. He didn't get it studying the Word. He got it directly. Jesus taught it to him. And so if you ever want to go back through and do that, read the book, or you can go back and find the uh, podcast, uh, the Rain Before Today, I think, podcast. If you go back far enough, you'll find... Uh, plans, purposes, and pursuits. It's a number of them that are that are there. They they put them in 15-minute uh, sections, so you have to go through a, a bunch of them. But be worth your time, especially if you never heard it. I've heard it a, a number of times already, and enjoy it every time that I go through. But see, Jesus asked them one thing: Do the you want to do the works of God? Here's the work of God. Believe that I'm the one that He sent. Believe in me, who He sent, who He sent. Well, you've got to show us a sign for that. Well, then it's not a work of God. And they, said to him, and they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Wait a minute. Jesus, we saw he was born here. We know his mom. We know his father. How can he say he's the bread that comes down from heaven? That can't be possible. And yet, in their own belief, they believed that Messiah would be born to a virgin in the land of Israel. They believed that that would happen. And when it does happen, well, we know his father, we know his mother. It can't be. So they rejected his statement. Basically, they're saying, I don't receive that. I don't, re- I don't receive that. Mm-mm. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur against yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, what's he mean by this? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Does that mean that the only people who follow after Jesus are the people that God says, All right, you, you, and you, and you. Come here. And he draws them. No, you stay away. I don't like you. No, that's not what he's meaning, right? We all know that's not what he means, but it sounds like that's what he could be saying. And people have taught it. People have made whole doctrines out of this that not everyone can be saved. Christ died for all, but not everyone will be saved because God doesn't draw all men to, to him. Well, no, that's not true. You have to, there has to be a receptive part in the, in the person. How many of you have ever gotten one of those stainless steel refrigerators? Anybody get a stainless steel refrigerator? How many have the other kind of refrigerator? Has the white and the black and the almond and different colors? All right. If you haven't had that, anybody been around a stainless steel refrigerator? If you have been around a stainless steel refrigerator, and you may not have known this when you first decided to buy the stainless steel refrigerator, but when you bring the stainless steel refrigerator home and you replace it with the one that you had before, you all are familiar with refrigerator magnets. Yeah, refrigerator magnets were great on your old refrigerator, but when you bring in that nice brand new stainless steel refrigerator and put it in there, in there and take all those notes and all those pictures and all those things that the kids drew 
and try to put them on the refrigerator with the magnet, it falls off. Because the refrigerator magnet will not stick to stainless steel. So do know this. If you go out and get a stainless steel refrigerator, all your refrigerator magnets are useless. Throw them away. No good. So we, don't, we, have, a, we have a stainless steel refrigerator in there. We have the whole front of the refrigerator is empty. Nothing is there. Because nothing can be there. But we did find this out. My wife discovered this, that on the side... <laughs> on the side, the magnets still work. So on the side of our refrigerator has a couple of magnets. She sticks a number of different things up there that, uh, that she wants to keep handy. But the whole front of the refrigerator, when you open that up, we, have, we don't have anything that falls on the floor anymore. Because <laughs> we have that stainless steel in the front there. does not take a magnet. You see, in order for the magnet to draw the refrigerator to itself, there has to be something in the refrigerator that the magnet can attach to. And if it can't do it, it won't work. See, what has to happen, folks, is that people on this earth have to decide, I'm going to believe in God. And then what God has put in place will draw them to them. But until that part of a person decides I'm going to follow after I'm going to I'm going to believe that there's a God they don't have to believe all the truth of the word but they have to believe there's a God and I want to know the truth then God will draw them to him but if they're a person who wants to reject the truth they're a person who just wants to act selfishly or hang out with God because I get fish and bread and there's nothing in there to draw them so that's what it's talking about there. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. So just think about refrigerator magnets every time that you see that verse. And remember. Verse 45. So the draw is on all, but not all become drawn in. Because they don't allow that inside themselves. They don't allow that to be active. That the drawing that goes on from God the Father will work. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. <laughs> all right, that's putting it pretty blunt, isn't it? I mean, he's hitting pretty hard here. All right, you think that man that was so good? They ate it and they died. They're de every single one of them, dead. Every single one that ate that manna, they're dead. This is the, he didn't even say asleep. No, last week Lee says he's asleep. No, he doesn't say that. He says they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. And I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreling among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Is that a good question to ask? See, that is a question based on ignorance. That is a question that is not based on any kind of knowledge. That is a question that is based on supposition. We're supposing that I understand what it is that Jesus is talking about. Is Jesus talking about eating his flesh? No, but we know from the Word of God that the Word became flesh. You can, you can be partakers of the flesh of Jesus by partaking of the Word. But they weren't going to be open for this. They're trying to understand it through their natural ways of doing things. Well, verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Now, let me ask you this. Could Jesus have put this a little easier? Does this statement by Jesus seem a little bit on the I'm going to get under your skin. It seems about that way to me because they have decided to refuse what Jesus is teaching. So look, I'm not even going to try and candy coat it for you guys anymore. I'm not going to try and bring you in. I'm not going to try and make this easy for you. Y'all want to go? Go. I'll give you reasons to go. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. 
He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. This is not going to go over so well. But the word became flesh. The Word was God, the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. And as we partake of the Word of God, we live. And it becomes life to us. But they weren't going to understand it this way. And Jesus doesn't try and explain it to them any better because they're rejecting it. How many times have you ever tried to wrestle with somebody, get them to understand the truth of the Word of God? Yeah, didn't work, did it? Try Jesus' method sometimes. Antagonize them. Throw out some stuff. I know you're not going to understand this. Here you go. <laughs> and just uh, see how that goes over. You be careful. Just do it when they, Jesus did it because the Spirit of God told him to do it here. But it's kind of odd because this is a time when Jesus had just fed so many people, had just done a wonderful miracle feeding all the folks, did another wonderful miracle walking on the water, transported an entire boat and his people over to the other side. How many of you think you could build a ministry off of that? We get some people who want to follow and, and do the things that are, are going on there. Eh, not Jesus. Nope. So let's go over to verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? How many of you all realize it's a hard saying? Who can understand it? Well, their expectation was not there that they would understand it. So they're just going to walk on past it. And when Jesus knew... In himself, that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? See, Jesus knows that some teaching can offend people. What then if you sh- should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The word that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. And who would betray him? And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. We already talked about that one. Jesus already hit it. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So first off, many of the multitude left him. Then he turned to those who had been his disciples and had followed after him. And he said, are you going to be offended? And some of those walked away. Then he turned to his twelve and he said, what about you? Do you also want to go away? Now imagine this. Can you imagine a person today having a meeting in which 4,000 men, 5,000 people, whatever, four, four or 5,000 people, their wives, their kids, all that, all of them were fed Miracles happened in the meeting. Great teaching went on. You then go out and the pastor, the preacher, the evangelist walks on the water. And you come out of that with 12 people following you. Can you imagine that? I mean, you almost have to try hard to make that happen. You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Put this in your outline for you. Natural cannot comprehend spiritual revelation. We've told you that many times before, but natural cannot comprehend spiritual revelation. If you are going to receive revelation from God, you must get out of the natural and get into the supernatural. Get into your spirit. Your spirit is the one that can comprehend it. You have to get out of the natural. In this entire story that we're given here, we're seeing people trying to grab hold of, of spiritual principles that Jesus is teaching them through their natural mind. And they can't understand it. And they ask questions that seem stupid. They ask questions. They start off this, this asking questions that were selfish. Things that they wanted. We want to go after Jesus. We want to pursue Jesus because of things that we want. Things that we think we need. And sometimes we ask questions based on that. 
And those questions don't get Jesus' attention. And a lot of times you'll see that Jesus does not even answer them. Does not even answer them. It just goes on. But our natural minds cannot comprehend the spiritual things of God. This is why we first started in the series. We went back over to John. And he didn't say to test something to see whether it was true. He said to test something to see if it's source. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? What is its source? Because if you test it to see whether it's factual, if you test it to see whether it's true, all you can do is compare it to what you understand. Compare it to what you know. And you don't know enough to be able to expand what you know spiritually. You've got to get beyond that. And what happens is God wants to speak right to your spirit. What you see here is the disciples, they heard the same teaching, but they said, we're not going to go. You have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? The disciples had no more understanding of what Jesus was teaching than the other disciples did or the multitude. None of them had any more of an understanding of it. But he says, they, or they say, we're willing to stick this out until we until the light turns on for us, until we understand. We're willing to stick it out. Put in your outline this, there are many things that will come to us for which we lack understanding. Not just things in the Word of God, but things that happen in your life. Things that happen with the people that are around you. Things that you see in the Word of God. All kinds of things, they'll come to you, but you don't understand. I don't understand how this fits. I don't understand how I can live this. I don't understand how this alters my life. I don't know. I don't know. And when that happens, when revelations come to us, when situations come, when complications come, when persecutions come, whatever it is that comes to us, and we don't understand, we have a couple of choices. First off, and we've given you these choices before. We're just kind of going to review this. It's been a number of years since we gave them to you. Here's the three choices you have. First off, you can bolt. You can get out of there. You can run. You can bolt, get out of there. I'm not sticking around with it. I don't understand that. And do as the multitude did here. And what do you mean eat your flesh? I'm out of here. And they bolt. They're gone. They ran away. Now you can do what some other people have done and bluff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh that's a good teaching, Jesus. Oh, man, that is good. I'm with you. Yep, I understand. Uh-huh. Can you explain it to, to Peter right there? No. No, I can't explain. Because <laughs> we have no understanding ourselves. I don't know. I'm just pretending. I'm just going to pretend that I understand this. Yeah, somebody comes to you and they were reading the Word of God and they says, I was reading over in Proverbs and this is what I read. Oh, it's so good. Don't you think so? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Boy, that's wonderful. One of my favorite passages. But we have no understanding. We're trying to bluff our way through. I don't know. I don't just run away. I'm trying to kind of bluff this thing. Maybe eventually people will leave me alone. Here's the third one. Here's the third choice. Bunk. You can bunk right in there. Hunker down and say, I am not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with this thing until I find out what is going on. So you can bolt, bluff, or bunk. Whatever one you want to do. But you're going to do one of them. You can get out of there. You can put on a show that everybody thinks you know what's going on. Or you can say, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm staying right here until I do. I don't know what it is, but I'm not moving. The enemy's not getting me out. He's not going to get me to question, go in a different direction. I'm going to stay right here until I understand what it is that you're trying to get across to me, Jesus. Because your words are words of life. If we truly understand that the word of God is words of life. And we would do everything we can to understand to the fullest what is in the Word of God, what is in the Bible. There are many Christians today who are satisfied with just reading something that makes them feel good. But God wants you to go beyond feelings. And He wants you to see the Word of God as food, that it feeds your very soul. And when you can get to that place where the Word of God feeds your spirit, the life that you have on the inside of you will be far greater than anything you ever had before. And he says, you will not hunger. 
you will not thirst. If you are not hungry and you are not thirsty, are you not content? And that's the place that God wants us to be is content. The twelve decided that though we don't understand what he's teaching, we will only discover it by staying. There are many things in the Word of God we still have yet to understand. There are many things that we have yet to even ask about his Word. We have not even been able to formulate the questions yet because I don't know enough to ask the question. But if we stay with the Word, continue to study, continue to listen to the teachers and people he's put in the body of Christ that takes us into the depths of the Word, not the, not the ones that just go shallow, the ones that go in deep, the ones that teach us what the Word of God is doing, not just about the Word of God, but teach us what the Word of God has to say. I've told you before, I'm sure you probably feel that way too. You ever listen to a message, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour long, and they never opened up the Bible? How can you have the words of life if you never opened up the Bible? I've heard people, I mean, people I know, people, good people, good, good folks, talked about the Bible, never opened the Bible. Never opened it, never read it. In the whole 45-minute hour service, never even read it. It's not getting the words of life. We need to dive in. We need to get the words of life. Every single day, you need to dive in and get the words of, of life. Don't be fast in the Bible. How many of you are in your, read a chapter a day? Five days a week. Yeah, keep it up. If you're not into it, get in. If you're not going to get into this one, get into something else. But get into something where it gets your nose into the Bible. On a regular basis. Do that thing. If some of you are saying, well, I read the New Testament last year. Read it again this year. I've told you my my strategy here is I change the translation. There are a lot of translations out there. Right now I'm reading Wiest. Reading his translation. Last year was a New Living Translation. Tried that one out. Probably next year I'll go back to the New King James just to go back to it. And after that I'll pick out another translation and, and read that one. But sometimes, you know, I'm reading... And we did it really say that? And I'll go back to the New King James that I'm more familiar with. Oh, all right. And then I see the comparison. I keep taking the Word of God in. Don't just sprint through it. Get in there. Read it. Get the Word a part of you every day. Take some podcasts along with you every day. Listen to the Word. Hear the Word on your way to work. Hear the Word on your way home. Hear the Word when you're cutting the lawn. Whatever it is you're doing. Won't be cutting the lawn much longer, will you? Hear the word when you're shoveling snow. We don't want to hear about that one, do we? I don't want to hear about that one either. <laughs> Whatever it is you're doing, get out there, get some word going into you. It will change you. It will help you. He calls the word of God the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. And we know from John that Jesus is the word in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word became flesh. As you go through the Word of God, you may come up with some questions. Make sure those questions are born of faith, not out of worry, not out of fear, but born of faith, born of contentment, thanksgiving. Make sure the good qualities are in there. And write some of those questions down because if you ask God questions that get His attention, He sends answers. He sends us answers. Oh, he gives, gives us answers. How many of you have ever recently had an answer from God? God spoke to you right in your spirit. Oh, that's, that's food, isn't it? Boy, that just charges you. That energizes you. It's good. When God speaks to you, it will charge up your life, charge up your existence, and never be the same again. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for your word. That in your word is life for us. We need to partake of your word every single day. That in our spirit you will speak to us about your word. About what it means for us. You'll give us what we need to fight the battles that we're against. And to overcome and to have victory. But we need to stay in your word. We need to pursue your word, pursue your spirit, the things he would teach us about your word. 
I thank you for it, Father. I thank you that we can ask questions to get your attention. And you are desiring to answer these questions. I think sometimes of heaven and all the questions that must exist that you know could be answered if only someone would ask. We're going to grow our knowledge, grow our understanding, so that we have the ability to ask even better questions. And we'll receive those answers. And that light will help us to ask more questions so that we grow. Not questions about selfish things. Not questions about things that I want, things that I need. Questions about your kingdom. You told us we seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added to us. So we're going to live like your word is true. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we have any more other praise reports? We do have some. There we go. All right. Daryl gave, God gave me revelation for a young man who is just beginning his walk in ministry. Very nice. Good when you get revelation for somebody else. That's just uh, outstanding. Love when that goes on. Ray said, I praise my God who has provided healing for my, my mortal body and my immortal spirit. I thank all my brothers and sisters, Zoe, for your prayers and well wishes. I thank God, too, for his favor with my bosses and co-workers. Yeah, he's got favor with that, too. I saw that. I saw some of his co-workers there. They just love the guy over there. <laughs> Alexis, this week I was out shopping and a lady in front of me was making, making her purchase when her car declined. She didn't have the cash. I paid for her purchase and told her not to worry about it. The cashier looked at me funny. The lady was quite appreciative and couldn't believe it. She even promised to pay it forward for somebody else. Now, here's the praise report. I had to call my bank because I was paying my car note from the wrong account and kept getting a fee. I talked to the customer service to confirm the correct number so that I would stop getting the late fee. She uh, gladly provided the number and agreed to credit the $30 in fees that I had incurred for the last three months. Isn't that cool? <laughs> and so this week, a coworker came to me and asked me to pray for her. She had made a very serious mistake with her work and feared the consequences would be serious, like losing her job. So I had prayed with her. The next day, she stops me and gives me a praise report. The Lord had shown, had shown her great favor with the senior leadership. The leadership was understanding and showed compassion as they worked to resolve the issue. She had a meeting with the leadership, and the issue was discussed and settled in that meeting. She was so thankful. We had a praise break right there in treatment. <laughs> Super. All right. Let's all stand up again. Appreciate those uh, praise reports. Keep Keep bringing them, looking for them every week.